That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, our buddy, Eric Crema. I hope he's having a wonderful holiday season. Good guy, Eric. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Hello, everybody. Happy holidays to you. Glad that you have joined us today. Glad for another chance of a Friday to be working with bad boy Benny Mathers. No coal in his stocking, at least not coming from us, Benny. Always good to be working with you, sir. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to be here with you uh, also. And you're my little breakfast buddies back. Nice. <laughs> I like that. And um, we are here today. This is just a lot of fun for us. Whenever we can get together with, I'm just going to say, he's my favorite Canadian. And there are several that I like. Some I admire. All right. And uh, on the admiration list, at the top of Santa's list, as far as I'm concerned, is Garnet Schulhauser. We get a chance to do some metaphysical Q&A once again with him, dressed in holiday style. Yes. We We have holiday questions for him today. But before we get into that, Benny, are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm still here. I never leave you. Okay, because sometimes he bebops. He has other he things bebops, to do. Yeah. <laughs> there. So I did want to mention now, uh-huh. in terms of hockey, and I'm wearing my lightning hat. Now, let's just set the oh. table because we have a Canadian on here. So it, oh. it's time to talk hockey. They're, they're sport. They're, the Chicago <laughs> Blackhawks are reeling from the Seattle Massacre. Last night, they lost to uh, the Kraken. Uh, somebody released the Kraken, and the Blackhawks felt the sting to the tune of 7-1. to one. Yeah, it was quite the blowout. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. And 7 is the magic number if you're a fan of, uh, and we are, of our regional team here mm-hmm. in Florida. Mm-hmm. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they won 7-4 to four over the Edmonton Oilers. And the big news there is Steven Stamkos, star goal scorer, other one of them, uh, Kucherov is another one, but Steven Stamkos, hey folks, he scored four goals. It was a diamond performance by Steven Stamkos, only the third time in Lightning franchise history that feat has been achieved. And it looked like the Oilers were ready to put the game away after two periods. And as the color analyst said, I don't know what was said in that locker room between the second Second, and third period, but they came out storming and took over the game, scoring five goals, five goals in the third period. And uh, Stamkos, with his game total of four, achieving that diamond performance. That's truly extraordinary. A hat trick's a big deal. Then you add one, and you've got a diamond performance. It's absolutely ridiculous. But a a round of applause, because I know they're listening to your show right now. So, yeah. Quite sure. Yeah, of course. Right, right. All the entire Lightning team. You're all gathering around (laughs) one radio, I'm sure. So um, (laughs) hockey is fun. It's that time of year. We're well into the season now, and we're starting to see trends develop. And look at those Seattle Kraken. I just Wow. I just think that's wonderful that they're doing as well as they are. It seems like if you have a master strategy, ask the Las Vegas Golden Knights, Mm -hmm. that you can plan ahead and think, okay. Now, of course, fate intervenes. We know that. But the Golden Knights in Las Vegas just decided they were going to win a Stanley Cup as quickly as they could. And I think they were aiming uh, for seven seasons where they thought they could pull that off according to ownership. And they did it in six, I believe, if I have my arithmetic correct. 
And they did it, and they are the reigning champs, but many are grasping for that cup in their imaginations, and one team will hoist it at the end of the season. I don't know who, but it's an exciting season in the NHL. Yeah, it'll be a fantastic so, meetup. Um, and wasn't it the first year for the Golden Knights? Weren't they like in the playoffs their first year too? And they had like at the last game before they they made the finals. Yeah, they made the Stanley Cup final in their first year and right. won a game. And that's all they did. But I mean, to make the final in your first year in existence, uh, hello, that's just incredible in itself. That's a that's a legend in the NHL right there. Yeah, we were hoping for that, but we fell a little short. But that's okay. We're, we're all right with that. We're okay. With getting that. much better. <laughs> yeah. Getting more aggressive. You can see that in their play. Much mm-hmm. more proactive. Okay. That is the hockey report. There we Anthony go. Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which also doubles as a briefing for our friend Garnet Schulhauser in case he hadn't gotten the word on that. A Canadian who, you know, I think hockey was invented in Canada, if I'm not mistaken. But we'll see. Maybe he knows. Well, if it wasn't invented there, it was perfected. There. Perfected there. Yeah, there you go. So tell us a little bit about Garnet Schulhauser, and let's bring this nice man on with us. Absolutely. Garnet Schulhauser is a retired lawyer who lives near Victoria on Canada's beautiful Vancouver Island with his wife, Kathy, and their little dog, Abby. Many years ago, Garnet left his lucrative law practice after someone incredibly wise and immensely kind challenged him to consider a far richer way to live. In the process, one that asked much of the author, but returned vastly more. Garnet dug deep into his soul to discover, quote, the ineffable joy of spiritual enlightenment, unquote. He has not stopped writing and talking about it since. And so for the 12th time, we welcome to our show, Garnet Schulhauser. Garnet, how are you doing today, sir? And happy holidays. I'm doing really well, thank you. Uh, And how are you doing? And happy holidays to you as well. We're having a, a good time. We really are. We're going to get some weather tomorrow. It's mild out there today, but here in the Sarasota area, in fact, uh, throughout Florida, pretty much, we're going to be experiencing heavy moisture Saturday and Sunday, but tomorrow we're really going to get blasted. So, And I think this has to do with El Nino conditions because in Florida, uncharacteristically, because people flock down here for the winters, it's going to be milder cooler that means and also wetter in winter so uh, we're bracing ourselves for whatever impact is on the way and we're going to get a foretaste of it tomorrow how about where you live it's nice it's it's like uh in celsius it's like plus eight i'm not sure what that is in fahrenheit um but it's sunny today uh we haven't had any snow lots of rain as usual uh but we're, we're not going to have a white christmas according to the, to the weather forecasters so that's fine by me and it turns out neither are we there, but we, it may be a, it won't be a white Christmas, but it might be a wet Christmas. We will have to see about that. Well, it's always great to have you with us, Garnet. And to I, leave, I, I have a question. Well, why don't does, you ask? Does spiritual enlightenment include hockey? <laughs> of course. <laughs> are you a hockey fan, Garnet, or are you not a hockey fan? You got the um, Vancouver Canucks right there. Playing well. Yeah, we, we do, but I but I was I was a, I had seasons tickets when I lived in Calgary for, with the Flames. Ah. Uh, and and uh, so I'm still kind of a Flames fan, but I've kind of mm-hmm. lost a bit of interest because neither the Canucks nor the Flames have been doing very well recently. Although I note that a few days ago, was it last week, that uh, the Canucks beat the Lightning at home for the first time since 2016. Wow. Yes, yes. You know, Which that doesn't say much to... for the Canucks, really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the Canucks, though, are on the upswing. It, it certainly looks like they're playing better, more successfully. Yeah. 
what I've noticed about hockey, and we will get to other things, folks, including metaphysics, as a matter of fact. But in the meantime, uh, I've noticed in NHL hockey more than in other major league sports, you can go a decade or longer without having success against another team or in their building or in your building. It gets to be streaky. I'm not sure why that is, but there's a lot of that in the NHL. Yeah, and obviously a good example is Lightning and the Canucks at home means 2016. That's like nine years. That's a long time to not be a team at your home in your home ring. So yeah, it does happen a lot, Gary. Don't know why. We love NHL hockey. Yeah, and and I often pull for the Canadian teams as well. It's not for me. It's not a country thing. It's a team thing. When I like a team, I'm kind of uh, cheering for them and. Uh, and I always like to see the Canadians um, playing, you know, in the Stanley Cup or at least in the final final four teams. Well, we've been living through quite a drought. The, the, the last time a Canadian team won the Cup was in 1993, Montreal Canadiens. That's a yeah. long time. It is a long time. And then there's Toronto. <laughs> My heart aches for Toronto Maple Leafs. Come on, Toronto, one of these years, you got to get to the final and make some noise. Their, uh, their fans are so loyal. I mean, they're, to me, uh, even though Toronto has not enjoyed the kind of success of, of the New York Yankees in baseball by any stretch, but there are some teams, it doesn't matter where you're living, you are loyal to that team. And I note that about the Toronto Maple Leafs fans. They're just crazy about the Leafs, and they're always hoping. It's like Chicago Cubs fans in yeah. baseball. Wait till next year. Wait till next year. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, well, the Leafs haven't, haven't won since 1967, so that's a long streak. Wow, wow, wow. Well, you know, what? what is interesting to me, and this is actually more toward what our conversation is going to be about today, Garnet, is there is that um, that combination in baseball, but even much more so in hockey, where you have the Canadian teams and the United States teams playing each other. And I love it when both national anthems are sung at the games, and it's truly um, more of a an international sport in that way. And our two countries do that quite a bit. One of the things Gary and I were actually curious about and wanted to talk to you about today was the distinction but between United States and Canada as to your uh, Christmas celebrations. Are there things that happen in Canada that are uniquely Canadian and that we wouldn't necessarily find here, either in movies or music or food or or anything that you can think of? I, I don't really think so, uh, Suzanne. And, and I don't know, not having lived in the, in the U.S., I, I wasn't party to their Christmas celebrations, but watching the, the, the TV shows and the movies, it seems like they do things or you do things pretty much the same as we do here. I don't think there's any major difference. We sort of follow along. I'm not sure who started the trend. We probably got ours uh, from uh, jolly old England. I'm not sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you probably did as well. So we just sort of carry on. I think they're, I think they're very, very similar. Hmm. You know, what I've heard said by uh, Brits of my acquaintance, and I'm going back quite a few years when I had one conversation in particular, and that is in in the UK, there is a popular view, and it may be, you know, how it, it's never good to overgeneralize, 
there, but there is the view in the UK that Canada is kind of, as it were, is from the standpoint of Britain, there Canada is like America light. <laughs> there's, 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 there's so well we drive on the same side of the road, for example, you know, yeah. and and that Canada has it's so close to America that it would be impossible not to absorb some of our cultural identity, even if it's borrowed, even if it's tweaked by Canada, that proximity creates a kind of affinity. Yeah, and I think that's right. I think I think that uh, we, we are, yeah, calling us a U.S. light, I think is, uh, uh, I'm not offended by that at all. I think that's clearly who we are. And, and I think that uh, a lot of Americans just think, uh, regard Canada in that way, uh, which, which is not a detriment, I don't think. I mean, I, I'm happy with that. United States with better health care. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Have, have you ever seen the program Ghosts? Does that play in Canada? A show the, called the one Ghosts? With Patrick Swayze and... Uh... No, not that one. The TV it's a, show. It's a, co uh, it's a comedy about um, a couple who get a uh, inherit a large mansion, which they're in the process of turning into a bed and breakfast, a little resort hotel. And they find that the, um, the mansion is haunted by a bunch of ghosts. Is that not, not familiar or not playing in Canada? Yeah, it, it does. It does play in Canada. Okay. I've watched part of one season and I didn't, didn't really do anything for me. So I haven't watched it since, okay. but yeah, it is, it is available up here. Yeah. We, um, we we kind of got into the show, and then during the writer's strike, uh, none of the shows have come on newly yet here that would normally be coming on in September. And so because of the writer's strike, we're getting these commercials on TV that say all new programming right after the um, Super Bowl after the after the big uh, Super Bowl game in February. So shows that would be new in in September or October aren't going to be new until February sometime. And we're waiting to see, you know, what's going to make it or not make it after all that. But what what some of the shows have done or the stations, they've done a lot of reality show programming. They've done a lot of uh, repeat programming. And in the case of Ghosts, it was a program that was borrowed from the UK and Americanized. And so they've been running the UK version of Ghosts on Thursday, which you can see how the United States show was patterned after the UK show. But there are those distinctions between the two countries that are are pretty pretty clear and uh the very similar ghosts but not completely the same down the line and it was for me quite evident last night that there is a country distinction when the title character the main woman of the show decides that she wants to sing a christmas carol at at their Christmas gathering, and she's hoping that all of her guests, her husband's family, will come and surround her at the piano, and they will all sing together. Well, you're kind of waiting and waiting because you know you're hoping or you think you know what the payoff is going to be, 
and it turns out not to be what I expected. She goes and sits at the piano alone. Her house guests are all over the house doing something else. And I know what's going to happen. She's going to sing Silent Night. She doesn't sing Silent Night. And I thought, now that is a UK song. That's an English song. They would celebrate, and that would be a song sung in England that wouldn't be thought of in the United States. And um, and and then what the what the good part of the payoff was, even though all of her house guests were spread all over the house, her her Christmas carol was sung with all of the ghosts in the house. So they had a chorus of, you know, 10 or 12 people all singing around the piano, but she was the only one that could hear them since she's the only one who can hear and see the ghosts. So it, it turned out well in the end, but it really got Gary and I to thinking about the differences in countries and, and how the holiday is celebrated. And so, you know, we wanted to ask you today about any distinctions that, that you knew about have you ever talked about the holidays or Christmas time with your spirit guide, Albert? No, that, that, that topic has never come up. We've talked a lot about uh, religion, Christianity, and Jesus Christ and his mother and Mary Magdalene and so on, but not about the, the, the actual celebration. I mean, that that's the, the, you know, who knows exactly when Jesus Christ was born. I mean, they, they, they picked it to December 25 a long time ago. They just probably picked a, uh, a date out of the air. I've never asked Albert that. To me, it just doesn't seem to be really important when he was physically born on Earth. I mean, the rest is a lot more important than when he was actually born. So we never really talked about it. As to the latter point, I totally agree with you, Garnet. My understanding, primitive as it is, about Christmas being Christ's birthday, it almost certainly is not December 25. The The early church... And by that, I'm thinking the Roman Catholic Church, if not before, co-opted a pagan holiday, the solstice, and they, they adapted it to the needs of this emerging Christian church. So now Christ's birthday is Christmas Day, whereas it's possible he was born in the spring. I mean, people have tried to figure this out for, I don't know maybe 2000 years, years yeah. or thereabouts, <laughs> you know, but this is when we celebrate it and I don't see it changing anytime soon. No. And even if somebody comes up with some sort of so-called definitive proof about when he was born, people aren't going to believe it. They're going to say, no, it's December 25. That's just the way we operate. So. Yes. Matter, absolutely. Right? You know, my father came through, uh, he does many times. He's just, I feel like he's there by my side, but when I do consult with mediums, which I do from time to time, and glad for the opportunity each time my dad comes through. It's like he is waiting on speed dial there in heaven. And that subject came up one time. And in this sitting, my father communicated that over there on the other side, these religious distinctions, and I think I'm borrowing his phrase verbatim, don't mean a damn thing. These are human considerations while we're in earth school doing the curriculum in these bodies. But over there on the other side, those distinctions don't count either for anything or don't count for much because this is how we mark time in significant ways while we are on, on Earth. On the other side, 
I think the rules are largely different and the game is played a very different way. Yeah, that, that's my information as well, Gary. Absolutely. They do. They, they don't sort of honor religious traditions or holidays or any of the stuff that we did uh, over there. That's all irrelevant. It's sort of like, OK, that happens on your school. You have to abide by it when you're there, if you incarnate as a human. But over on the spirit side, it doesn't mean anything to them at all. And 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 in terms of marking time, you know, as we've talked before, there's no linear time on the spirit side. So no past or no future. It's all one big now. And so, it, so, so they don't need to mark time because of the time as we know it just doesn't exist over there. So really hard for us to understand that. Uh, certainly for me, it is anyway. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Albert has explained that to me many times very patiently. And uh, every time I say I don't quite, I can't wrap my mind around that, Albert, he says, don't worry, you, you're dealing with the limitations of your puny human mind. So don't worry about it. <laughs> he had to get that word puny in there. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Do you have any particular traditions? Do you uh, have an artificial tree, a real tree? Is there something that you do pretty consistently to mark the holidays? Well, we always have a Christmas tree. And until this is the first year that we had an artificial tree, we've always done the real trees. Um, and uh, so finally, I, I would always grumble and complain that I'd have to drive to the tree lot, put the tree on top of the, of the SUV, strap it down, bring it back, haul into the house. And then when it's taken down, you have to haul it out with all the needles spreading everywhere, uh, put it back on top and take it to the, the, the chipping place, you know, not a big deal, but uh, I, I was always sort of grumbling about that. So my wife said, okay, this year we're going to get, she actually did this last January when they went on sale, got an artificial tree. So this is the first year for the artificial tree. Uh, and I think that's, I mean, it, to me, it's, it, it doesn't really, it, it's the symbolism really. I mean, yes. the, the real tree yeah, yeah. have that nice smell, uh, but, uh, you know, the artificial tree all decorated up, and, which my wife does a very good job of, uh, it's it's still all the same. And, and so I don't miss it. I don't miss the real trees a bit. It's it's a lot like fireplaces uh, all the way through my right, life, except for this, this home here. I've always wanted to have wood burning fireplaces. I was a purist, you know, you have to have the, the wood, the crackling, the smell, all that sort of thing. Here in this house, we decided to do uh, natural gas burning fireplaces, and I just I find it great. I mean, I miss the, the crackling and the smell, but all you have to do is flick a switch, and away it goes. You don't have to clean out ashes, so so much simpler. And I think that's just part of getting old is you you sort of want to have a simpler life with less complications. So 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 that so yeah, we absolutely do have a Christmas tree. Uh, our tradition is that uh, um, when I was a kid, uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, I was raised as a Roman Catholic, as you know. So on, on, on Christmas Eve, we always had to go to midnight mass. And, and the idea behind that, of course, is that you don't have to get up Christmas morning then and go to, to church. So you go uh, uh, midnight mass. And that was just year after year. Um, and then they changed that a while back. And they said, OK, well, if you uh, if you go at 7 o'clock on Christmas Eve, it counts for Christmas Day. So they made it a lot easier. But, but the, you know, midnight mass was, was an absolute tradition. And I only attended when I was a kid. I was I, I would serve mass, uh, so it, it was quite a quite an affair actually, with all the candles lit and the choir singing, and it was a uh, was actually quite magical. Nice, yes, I agree. I've gone to several late night services uh, on Christmas Eve, and and they are always, as you said, quite magical. That's that's really nice. 
when Christmas rolls around, I have, I've, I've had a favorite song for a long time. Gary's had a favorite song for a long time for Christmas. And we kind of wait to see when we're going to hear it on the radio. If we don't hear it on the radio, we'll play it on a CD or, or on our computers, but we're not going to miss our favorite songs. Is there one song that you kind of wait to hear every year or that just kind of speaks to you? Yeah, my favorite is White Christmas, and, and that's probably the most popular Christmas song in all in all history. Yeah, I really like to hear that one. Silent Night is another uh, favorite. You mentioned that earlier in the show. Um, the, the ones I really don't like, uh, Suzanne, are the sort of the commercial ones. You know, Santa Claus coming to town and that sort of thing. It just doesn't that doesn't ring resonate with me at all. And, and so I I like the White Christmas is a is a is sort of a commercial one. Silent Night, of course, is a religious sort of one. I mean, I don't practice uh, the Catholic faith anymore, but I certainly really enjoy some of the Christmas uh, carols that uh, evolved from the Christian church and the Catholic church. So they're, they're all good. And and uh, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, after playing, we have, I have a whole collection of Christmas CDs here, which my wife gets me to dig out of the storage room every Christmas. She wants to start playing them sort of like early December, by the time Christmas Day comes around, I'm sick and tired of them, to be honest. But but I do enjoy them for a while. I've been putting one CD in my car every time I, I leave. I'm playing Christmas music in the car. And when the CD is done, I replace it with another one. Interestingly enough, I listened to one this year and I thought, you know what? I don't particularly like it. I think I'm going to get rid of it. So I'm going to be one CD less. And then Gary and I were listening to uh, a bunch of old time singers from probably more like 50s and 60s that we were listening to the other day. And we were trying to guess who they were, you know, and so Bing Crosby was evident and we did pretty well with a Perry Como, but there were some others there that we were kind of scratching our heads and had to look up on the cover to see who it was. Uh, a Vic Damone or uh, Eddie Arnold, I think Eddie Arnold was one, and and you know just some others that we wouldn't really Mahalia Jackson, Vicky yeah. Carr. There were some people who were singing on this old CD that we just didn't recognize. So that, that's kind of a guessing game. So that was fun. You know, this doesn't have anything to do with Christmas, at least as far as I know. But uh, since the last time we got together on the radio, Garnet the late great gordon lightfoot not only a canadian treasure but as far as i'm concerned a world treasure a man whom i saw perform decades apart but i saw him twice live i just love gordon lightfoot and his music i'm sorry that he passed away it's sorry that somebody with his heart and soul should have to pass at all but heaven gained an angel and i just think of so many songs that he did if there is a canadian spirit to be expressed in song, I think Gordon Lightfoot did it as good or better than anyone. Yeah, I agree with you. He's one of my favorites. And uh, if he is uh, symbolizes Canadian music, I'd be quite happy to to go along with that. Uh, there'd be a lot of people here who would say, well, what about Celine Dion? Paul Anka, you know, but but Gordon Lightfoot is clearly up there in my, in my view. It seems like every culture in order to have a full expression of what it means to be of that ethnicity or nationality needs a great balladeer, the heart and soul type of music 
that comes through in a ballad there it has a universality to it but each ethnicity or each nationality adds its own special touch and that was part of the giftedness of gordon lightfoot and when i listen to some of his songs unlike unlike just about anyone the beatles can do it to me of course and uh even the who few other groups yes there but gordon lightfoot gets my skin tingling the wreck of the edmund fitzgerald oh my god you know i can't listen to it without getting chills he wow. just has that way about him. He's just, he's able to communicate everything from uh, a pure love to pure lust to tragedy to aspiration to heartbreak and disappointment. The guy was the whole package. Now, now, Gary, when you're listening to Gordon Lightfoot, if you didn't know that he was Canadian, could you suspect that he was not American just by listening to him? I wouldn't suspect it until, uh, you know, I knew he was Canadian because when um, If You Could Read My Mind came out, and there was a lot of talk about the song and about Gordon Lightfoot. So I was aware. But if I listened to his library of music, Canadian Railroad Trilogy would have given him away, for example. <laughs> you know, but I just happened to know that about him. But to his sound, no, he sounds like, I mean, when he's singing, he could just as easily be an American soft ballad country singer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's he's one of the, one of our best Canadian uh, singers for sure. I'm very proud that he is a Canadian. Too bad he had to pass away, but you know, we all go sooner or later. And him later, he was uh, in, I believe, his early 80s when he passed there. And um, I saw him in, I think it was, well, let me go back now. I saw him in 1978. And then I saw him, I believe it was in 20. 2015 2016 maybe here in sarasota a lot of years between and he certainly looked different but there was still the magic and still that gentle sense of humor to go with and he played well and his sing his voice was pretty well shot i mean at least that night he just didn't sound like the the uh, gordon lightfoot of yore but the lady sitting next to me said i don't care i still think he's gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's a great Canadian icon for sure. Deservedly so. We are talking with Garnet Schulhauser about a lot of things. And let us continue our conversation. Who knows where we'll go next, but we're going to take a break now. Give us a couple of minutes and we'll be right back. We are Manson Mitchell and we're sure glad you joined us. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. 
The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome back Garnet Schulhauser from Victoria, B.C. for another round of metaphysical Q&A. This time we're doing it holiday style. On Saturday, Tamara Vaughn, an ordained minister, joins us to talk about the universality of compassion and holiday spirit with or without religious affiliation. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Some people know a good thing when they hear it. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Garnet Schulhauser from the Victoria, B.C. area. And Garnet, if people would like to get your books, we haven't yet talked about them this time because we've talked about them before in your your other visits. But please let our listeners know about your books, how they can connect with you and anything else that you have going on that you would like to share. Okay. Well, I've uh, written five books. They're all of the spiritual category. Um, They all deal with my dialogue and then astral trips with my spirit guide, Albert. Um, And the best place to get information about my books is on my website, which is garnetschulhalzer.com. That's not easy to remember, but if you uh, Google any of my book titles, you'll get to my website. And on my website, uh, there's information about my books. There's uh, convenient buy links. You can click onto Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and get right to the page where you can buy my books. Um, so uh, my books are available in all the online stores and some of the bricks and mortar stores. Um, I also have my social media links on my website. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, my YouTube channel has, uh, lots of, uh, has all the postings of all of my radio shows and podcasts there. So if you want to listen to any of the previous ones, including all previous 11 shows with Manson Mitchell, they're there. Um, and, uh, I've also been doing a series of, of videos, uh, uh, dealing with uh, with my books and, and a new series dealing with my uh, QHHT practice, which is short for quantum healing hypnosis technique, which was a hypnotic technique developed by the late great Dolores Cannon. Um, and so some of my videos are on there, um, and uh, you can click on the uh, on my uh, uh, social media channels as I mentioned. Um, there's also uh, book excerpts on my website and uh, book videos. So there's lots of information there. If people want to find out what's uh, what I've done and what my books are about, uh, just go right to my website. I have a separate website for my QHHT practice, uh, which is QHHT.com, And there people can read about QHT and BQH, um, which is the remote version. Um, and they can book an appointment there. So um, that, those are my two main sources of information. And my, my email address is on my website if people want to send a comment or a question to me. Uh, I try to respond to most of my emails. I read them all. And so I'd love to hear from your listeners if they have any questions for me. Excellent. And I'm, I'm going to very quickly go ahead and spell your name. First name is Garnet, G-A-R-N-E-T, 
Last name is Schulhauser, S-C-H-U-L-H-A-U-S-E-R. If you want to find Garnet Schulhauser, go to his website and all the information will be there. Thank you for um, letting our listeners know how they can find you. I'm always curious when people undergo a significant life change, a pivotal moment, Garnet, and it would be interesting for our listeners to hear, and I'm sure interested in hearing it. Was there a point at which you had to make a decision, a holy moment, if you will, where in writing your books, in taking this turn in your life, you had to decide to, in the spiritual, the metaphysical sense, come out of a metaphysical closet, which is a big step for somebody who was a gung-ho lawyer, a thriving practice, and then all of a sudden you're talking about things that your colleagues would regard as either irrational or even inappropriate. And I'm wondering how you handled that because there had to be a point where you decide I'm going to do this no matter what. Well, when I first met Albert, um, I didn't talk to anyone about it, Not certainly not my colleagues or partners um, or clients. I didn't even talk to my wife initially. Uh, so I sort of kept it all to myself. And then I retired uh, from the law a year after I met Albert. And then uh, he kept on gently giving me, uh, you know, a two by four over the head to get me writing my manuscript. So finally I caved in and I wrote it. Um, and then I had the, that was a big decision point uh, here in Suzanne. It was sort of like I've written the manuscript. Should I throw it in the drawer never to see the light of day again? Or should I try to find a publisher? And of course, the big concern for me was, that I thought that many of my former law partners and clients would think that I've uh, I've become demented, that I got crazy. It was totally out of character for me to 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 to, to write a spiritual book because when I was practicing law, they saw me as a a, a button-down, stuffed shirt, condescending, arrogant lawyer, and I never talked about I, I I didn't talk about religion or spirituality or anything, and so I knew that they would some of them would be in real shock. So that was my concern. But then I had to basically I had to confront the, the fact that, OK, if I didn't get my book published, I'd reg probably regret it for the rest of my life. And if I did publish it, I'd lose some of my former partners and uh, friends and so on who, would, who wouldn't talk to me anymore. Uh, but I thought, OK, well, uh, you know, you, you have to you have to do what's right. And I felt right in my heart that I should just go ahead and publish it. And of course, I wasn't practicing in the law firm any, at that stage. I mean, I wouldn't have released the book if I was still practicing law. I just couldn't do it. Uh, but so I had already left. And uh, so when I had it published, and I did lose people. I did some of my former partners don't talk to me. Uh, they don't say to my face, but I know they're thinking that I'm crazy. Um, but but there's a, there was a few that actually did send me nice emails after my book was published saying, good for you having the courage to come out of the, the spiritual closet, publish that book, and I you know, wish you every success. Uh, so, so there were some bad things, some good things, but overall it was entirely positive because some of the people that I that I left behind or they left me behind, um, you know, I, I miss them. But I mean, that's just life. Sometimes you you have to just move on and and carry on with uh, with with your new regime. But I've gained so many more uh, new spiritually minded, spiritually enlightened people, friends uh, in my journey. That overall it's been overwhelmingly very positive. You know, and the people who think that I'm crazy, well, fine, they're entitled to their opinion. What I say to people when they uh, doubt uh, what I'm saying or challenge what I'm saying or, or, or some of them are even more blunt to say I'm full of BS, I say to them, 
At the end of the day, when we're both dead, we'll both know who was telling the truth. That usually shuts them up because they don't know how to respond to that one. But, you know, so they, they can believe whatever they want to believe. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we all go back to the same place and then they can see, well, I was telling the truth and, and, and they can understand that, uh, you know, they maybe missed the ball by not reading the books or not paying closer attention. But every, everyone's on their own journey and, and everyone's journey is different. Uh, and, uh, you know, you have to sort of carry on with, uh, for the most part, what you plan for your life. Uh, and, and then you have to sort of believe what, you, what feels right to you in your heart. And if they believe that, that I'm crazy, that's fine. Uh, but there's a whole lot of people who, who sign on to what Albert has told me when they've read my books. And that's really uh, very gratifying when I get emails from people saying, well done, I agree with you. You know, please. I get a lot of people now after I've written five books saying, when is book six coming out? And I say, well, I'm waiting for uh, Albert to kick me in the, in the rear and get me going on it. <laughs> but he hasn't done that yet. But there probably will be a book six at some point. Unless I die sooner. And well, that's the way it goes. Well, we hope that doesn't happen. You know, Gary and I have been talking lately about um, about time and about life being eternal. And we've had this kind of ongoing conversation over coffee in the morning, um, like not obsessively, but, you know, just occasionally as it comes up and we look at it, if time really is eternal, if there is no beginning and there is no end, it's a construct for human beings, it really makes sense to me that what we are experiencing here on Earth is a tiny little segment of eternality, which would mean we've had one life, we've had 10,000 lives, who knows? It's interesting to contemplate that mystery and to think about the fact that even though this is just one point, one now moment in time, if it is really eternal, it still counts as all that there is. When you have had your conversations with Albert, do you talk about um, the past lives and reincarnation and things like that? Oh yes, all the time. I mean, he's 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 uh, he's given me an incredible insight as to how the cycle of reincarnation works. And and it, it it's uh, it, it, when you think about it, it really makes sense what he says. Uh, you know. I've had so many people say to me, uh, you know, one of the major things that he said is that you can't, uh, um, is, is that we all choose our lives. You know, we choose the, the broad blueprint for our lives. So you choose where you're going to be born, who your parents are going to be, who your siblings, other relatives are going to be. I mean, it, your, your life is not fixed. It's not etched in stone because once you get here, you forget that you have a life plan and you have free will to act. And so it, it never plays out entirely uh, the way we want to. But, but I mean, you can choose to be born as a blind beggar in Calcutta, or you can be choose to be born as a as somebody who's a, 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 lives in a wealthy family in England. I mean, you choose all that, and, and and so for a lot of people say, well, if I got to choose my life, what on earth was I thinking? I must have been out of my mind to come into my life, uh, come into planet Earth because it's not a walk in the park. And, and the, once you're over there, uh, before you incarnate, of course, everything is all different. And Albert says it's like a short, very short adventure in the physical plane, because there's no linear time. So a human lifetime of 80 years is just a blink of an eye, literally. 
So, so when you're over there, you say, okay, well, what the heck? I'm going to try a, a life in uh, tropical Africa, whatever, say, because I want to experience something there. Uh, and it, it's such when you're over there, it's such a short little adventure that you don't really cons you're not deterred by what may happen. I mean, you'll know what's going to happen on planet Earth generally. I mean, if you you know if you if you're born into a certain area, you know some of the things that you're going to experience, what you're up against. You freely choose that because you you want to experience it, and and so so I always say to people, and so many people have said to me, well when I when I finish this life, there's no way I'm coming back to this hellhole. I say you'll have a much different perspective because uh, you just see things differently over there, and a life on Earth is just literally a blink of an eye. So it's not it's it's not a big deal. It is to us. A lifetime of 80 years is a long time. Um, you know, some people may think it's too short. Uh, 80 years seems like a long time to me, but you know who knows? Some people die when they're in their 30s, and some people live until 100. You never know where you're going to go. Uh, but the, the the interesting, the other interesting aspect of it is that our souls choose when we leave, which may seem strange to people, but our souls will decide when they want to exit the incarnation. And uh, when people die by uh, accidental means, like in a car accident, that's not really an accident because that person's soul decided that that car accident was their off ramp to get out of this incarnation and so um it, it, it's really hard for a lot of people to quite understand why we would come here if we have free choice but you can't really appreciate it as a human you have to go back to the spirit side there you see the whole picture and it's like okay well um i've had you know 250 lives let's go for a few more you know because i still not done with the earth school um, and so everyone has the same same choice not everyone's choice is the same everyone's journey is different so it's just really fascinating, but it really makes sense to me um, that, that, that how the cycle of reincarnation works. And, and, and uh, the fact that in, in terms of time, that we have an eternity, that just means that, you know, uh, if you, if you want to have uh, 250 lives, you can. If you want to have 5,000 lives, you can. There's no deadlines. There's no timetables because you are an eternal being. Um, and, uh, you, you know, Albert just says that uh, everyone has their own choice and that that's really the magical thing about reincarnation and if you want to just stay on the spirit side and never incarnate again you can do that too but you just don't learn as much you know it's, it's sort of like you know you, you get the sense of adventure over there and say well um i i didn't do all the things i wanted to do i didn't check off all the boxes and all my earthly incarnations so i'm gonna go back and try it again just because i want to do it nobody forces you but you just choose to do it I had a, a, a minister, a medium minister say one time, when we leave, we're never finished. And it stuck with me so strongly that, you know, we have this idea that, you know, on the last day of our lives, we'll end up at zero somehow. And we never do. With life being eternal, we never get to that zero point. There are things that are left unfinished, projects that, that were not done that are sitting in the closet, uh, money that hasn't been spent. There, there are, we, we don't actually complete in the way that our minds think we're going to complete. It's, it's We are not finished. And so when we leave, we do have the opportunity to come back and do this again. And, uh, you know, you can look at that a couple of different ways, positively or negatively. Yeah, that's very true, uh, Suzanne. Yeah, we, we, we have the choice. We can come back and finish what we didn't finish or what we didn't experience. Um, that's, uh, as I said, that's entirely our choice. Uh, but there are no uh, 
finish lines for a soul. There's no there's no point where a soul you know hits the finish line and says, okay, that's it. I mean, there's there's always things to do. The universe is expanding. There's different things happening, and so if you've had incarnations on planet Earth, well, you may choose to incarnate on a on a different planet as a different life form. And since these things are being created and, and in flux and change all the time, uh, it's it's never there's never a finished moment. There's never a point where you say, okay, that's it, I'm done. And I'm not sure I want to ever hit that point. Actually, I mean, just thinking out loud. I mean, it it, it would. It, what do you do if we've finished everything? I mean, I, I think you want to have keep on having challenges, things to experience, and that's uh, you know, it's an eternity, which seems like a long time, and certainly is. But there's lots of things to explore, lots of things to do as a soul. And I'm just happy that uh, you know we're we're all part of this this game, and the game never ends. There's no finish line. There's no finish line. I I certainly hope that's the case, Garnet. In addition to that, I do wonder sometimes. This has crossed my mind. I don't know how many times. We're doing a pretty good job of screwing up the planet, and I don't just mean through all the because of all the tribal warfare that goes on. I mean that's that's one set of problems, of course. But just what we're doing to the climate, what we're doing to our Earth home, to Mother Gaia, and from the other side, they've got to be scratching their heads, going, you know, you people there, you humans, you've got to live on that planet. It is Earth school, and what are you doing to the campus? No, absolutely, and and, and, and I, I get very stressed at what we're doing with our planet. I've had a couple of conversations with Gaia, uh, the consciousness of Mother Earth. And she just laments, she shakes her, I mean, figuratively shakes her head, say, what are those humans doing? Don't they know that they have to live on this planet? Why are they polluting it? It's sort of like, it's the old saying, you don't uh, take a dump on your doorstep. I mean, that's that's what we're doing, basically. We're we're fouling our our, our air, our water, everything else. And, uh, and she's wondering, when are they going to wake up? When are they going to wake up and decide they have to be more strident in terms of of curbing the pollution and, and getting the ecosystem back into balance. And she doesn't have any answers. She just knows that, uh, you know, it's, it's got to, basically it's got to start from the grassroots, from the, from the people move on up through the, the politicians and the, and the people who run the governments. That's, that's, that's the movement that has to happen. And we're, we're doing better at that. I mean, we're doing way better now than we did say 40 or 50 years ago. We're more aware of the pollution. We're more aware of the harm we're doing to, to Gaia. Um, but we need to have more and more people on side, and and of course the the, the balancing act is uh, if you if you uh, uh, are more protective of the environment, a lot of commercial activities like fossil uh, fuel burning and so on has to be cut back, and and so that's the that those are the the the, the tug of war that goes on in terms of of why we aren't doing it this better, and so I mean and I can understand people saying yeah well if you want to really cut out pollution. A lot of people are going to be without jobs and they're going to suffer. I understand that. I think there's a way of doing it so we can sort of balance the two, um, uh, you know, in a nice fashion that doesn't uh, harm the economics too much, but keeps our planet cleaner. And I think we can move towards that. I mean, I think we are. Uh, God hopes that we don't blow up our planet before that happens. That's right, because there is the question of human destiny, and it would be the height of folly and arrogance for us to assume that we are a species that is not in danger of extinction. We talk about this or that bird, this or that lizard, this or that spider, what have you. They are extinct. Yes. Do you think it can't happen to us? It would be highly presumptuous 
for us to think that, well, that would never happen to us. Of course it can happen to us. Yeah, absolutely. And I've asked Albert a few times, like, is there hope for humanity on planet Earth? And he says, yes, he's optimistic, but he won't tell me for sure whether we do it or not. And I don't know whether he can see into the future or not, but 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 he says uh, he's optimistic. He says that we have a lot of work to do and we have and, and it, it, it's not a guaranteed thing. We could fall off the rails and we can end up destroying all life on our planet, including all humans. And um, he hopes, of course, that doesn't happen. So do I. Uh, but he is optimistic that we will get past this rough patch in the road eventually and, and get back to a more balanced ecosystem. But we have a lot of work to do. Very good. And so we look ahead to 2024. I guess I'll just ask for the sake of asking, Garnet, do you have any inklings? Do you have any impressions about what awaits us in the coming year? We've got a busy year ahead with our presidential election. Yes, there's that. And Trials galore there, but there are trials and there are trials. When you look ahead, do you receive any impressions about what the coming year is going to bring? What challenges and what opportunities? Well, we have we have always the, the same old challenges as we just discussed about the environment. Uh, we, we, the biggest challenge for humans is to have the people who are in control of things, the government leaders and so on, they have to be able to curtail their negative emotions, which is, for the most part, is powered by greed, lust for power. You know, one country wants to take over the other country's resources. Uh, you know, humans have to control their negative emotions. And, and until they do that, we're going to have wars, we're going to have genocide, we're going to have all the stuff that's going on now. So I, I don't have any uh, foresight into what's going to happen in 2024. Hopefully we can continue to sort of move up the spiritual ladder and, and curtail our negative emotions, but I don't know. And of course, Albert won't tell me. As much as I'd like to know, he won't say anything other than keep on plugging away, guys. Garnet Schulhauser, thank you for joining us today. End of the year. We really appreciate it. Very happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you for having me. I, I enjoy the, your, the, these shows as always, and I hope you two have a happy holiday as well. Thank you. We will. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Been a lot of fun. Always interesting when Garnet joins us. Join us next. tomorrow. Well, we'll be oh. back tomorrow, and we've also got uh, Robin, Robin Alexis Alexis coming right coming up. up next. Stay tuned, everybody.